0: Welcome to another installment of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler. In this episode, we are going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. And actually, we're going to learn a little bit about the film industry and investing. Um, So turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. I'm really excited today. I feel very privileged to have with us Debbie VanderMeulen, who is the founder of Fusion Features. She's got... um, 25 years' experience as an international industry executive um, in successfully working with filmmakers to turn their ideas into cinematic entertainment. Her countless achievements have earned her recognition at multiple renowned festivals, including Cannes, Sundance, and Toronto. Known for ensuring bottom line responsibility, Debbie has facilitated many aspects of film production while remaining hands on in each phase, including development, financing, post production, marketing, and distribution. Throughout her distinguished career, she has cultivated partnerships in a broad spectrum of industries and organizations, entertainment, corporate, education, sports, radio, nonprofit, government, and community. She is highly adept at developing strategic pairings across multiple industries to secure proper funding and ideal talent for every project. Her numerous roles and credits include managing executive director for organizations like Foundation of International Film Artists, And a producer on many projects, which you're currently working on six films, which are?
1: So the first feature film I'm working on is called Hipsters, Gangsters, Aliens, and Geeks. That's with Danny Elfman doing the composing of the music. Rick Elfman doing the directing and the writing. And Bodie Elfman Doing the acting. So I'm really privileged to have a project that's with the Elfman family. And it's on the heels of Forbidden Zone 1, having had a 35-year run. So cross (laughs) fingers, this is another 35-year run.
0: Oh, sweet. That's exciting.
1: The next one is called Coast, which is a movie that has Melissa Leo playing a cameo role. And it's an incredible movie that we shot in Santa Maria. That is a story of a young girl, Fatima, who is realizing that when you want to leave home, what's out there is not always better than what you actually have. So it's a real coming-of-age story. And then I have a film that's actually been doing the festival circuit. We've had 40 invitations, and we've done 11 film festivals, and we've won 10 of the 11 film festival's top awards. Nice. Called Crystal Swan. We uh, shot that in Belarus and that has done the Oscar and the Golden Globe run. And then the other four films are a documentary about Julian Marley that we shot in Jakarta, Indonesia, a documentary called War Toys that is our partner participant, a feature film called Alienated, which is about UFOs. That's a feature narrative. And then my last film, which I'm really excited about, and we end production on Sunday in London, is called Ashens and the Polybius Heist, and that is a YouTuber movie made by YouTubers for YouTubers, and the actors are YouTubers. But they're not acting, they're just being the role that they play on YouTube. As a YouTuber, which is, I think, brilliant yeah, because that hasn't been done before and we are putting a GoPro on the head of our director so that people can watch the filming as it happens on Twitch. So we're actually creating another revenue stream that would never have been possible in previous years with an ancillary stream of revenue coming from Indiegogo, how we funded the film. Licensing and publishing for the soundtrack, how we are getting music for the film, all the merchandise and licensing of T-shirts, mugs, and ancillary um, items for people who are getting excited about the YouTubers or getting excited about the film, so the fans, and then separately to be able to watch the film being made, a stream of income from People who are just an industry of curiosity where you're kind of sharing with people how to make a film but inviting them in to a space where they can just ask questions and communicate through online.
0: Um, You know, I'm so amazed at how big YouTube is. And like I think it's bigger than a lot of people or at least maybe people my age. Um, What is the – like what's the age range of of YouTubers? Is it people under 30? Is it – like because it's pretty huge.
1: It is. Now I think what you will find is that the way YouTube kind of operates is it's an algorithm that figures out what you, the viewer, like – and then it gives you material to watch. So a YouTube kind of short video can be something that is 2 minutes to 20 minutes. But then once you're done watching that particular video, it suggests, hey, what about this video? And it gives you a list. And the nice thing about that type of opportunity when you have YouTubers is you can actually put them all in a bucket of these are all the YouTubers like Nerd Cubed, who's in the movie Ashens and the Polybius Heist. You can put Nerd Cubed, their videos after Ashens' videos and the professor's videos. So realistically, what you're doing is you're creating a whole fan base. For the movie without anybody realizing it. Right. So YouTube is really just more about figuring out what the individual viewer wants to watch Mm -hmm. and then giving them content that they're interested in. So YouTube is huge.
0: Yeah. Huge. No, it's amazing. I'm curious. When you were a little girl, did you know this is what you were going to do?
1: So when I was in sixth grade, you know how sometimes you go back through Mm -hmm. books that you were – Writing notes, and I wrote down that I'm going to be in promotional sales <laughs> when I was in sixth grade. <laughs> so imagine being an 11 year old. Wow. And promotional sales didn't exist. Right. And I just thought this was something that promotions I loved because I love to go to events Mm -hmm. and sales is just kind of being yourself and sharing with other people an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So to me, it kind of made sense. And then when I worked in radio and I worked for nonprofits, it just seemed to be a conversation topic of nobody really knew what promotions and promotional sales could look like. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of exciting to see the two come together in my actual kind of day-to-day. I was in promotions at K-Earth 101FM. Okay. I know K-Earth. <laughs> and I got the job completely by accident. As I can share with your listeners, I have gotten most jobs by accident. But I have been on planes sitting next to people and gotten hired and found financing for films and have had great relationships that have lasted for years. So you never know you never, where it's going to come from.
0: So should we tell our listeners then if you can't find work, get on a plane?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> work for the airlines. Work for the airlines. There's people out there. Well, you know, you've got a group of captured audience yes. so that you get to uh, get to know them. You know that they can afford a plane ticket. That's And that's something. And different uh, (laughs) types of service, different types of the class of the airplane is an indication of what the individual can afford. So if you're flying in business class or first class, you know that that person sitting next to you is actually somebody who might be somebody who could be a business partner down the road. You never can tell.
0: You never can tell. Did your parents um, have a different idea for your career or did they support – um, your choices?
1: So, my mom and my father had the first travel agency in Roslyn, Virginia. So, okay. they were in the travel business. They both worked for American Express, taking people on trips around the world. Oh, cool. Which nowadays, travel agents are kind of a thing of the past. Everybody does their own right. booking of their travel. However, I have the travel bug. I travel at least two or three weeks out of every month, I go to London once a month. I just came back from the Tribeca Film Festival, and I go to 12 on minimum film festivals a year. Wow. So when you're in this industry and you actually are doing it right, people fly you, people put you up, and people make you feel like you've got something to share that other people want to hear. Yeah. So for me, travel is kind of a way of life.
0: Well, so there's two things I want to ask. One, I we briefly talked about travel the other night, mm-hmm. and um, I wish everybody could travel mm-hmm. because for me it's helped shift my thinking in a lot of ways, especially going to developing countries. What would say the big? What would you say is the biggest thing you've learned from traveling?
1: So, as it relates to the film industry outside of the United States, countries support the creative vision of writers, directors, producers in the entertainment community. Mm. So there is money that the countries provide for the creative voice. So you can go to any country in the world and you can find a bucket of money that supports a filmmaker telling their story or telling a story through the medium of film. So in the United States, we have a different model. We have avenues to mitigate risk such as 199 and like you know different number tax like job employment opportunities act. Right. We have we have different ways of mitigating the risk to make it a benefit for an investor, an individual, a foundation, a fund a family office to invest in a film. However, in foreign countries, the government puts that money into a bucket and says, we want our filmmakers, we want our entertainment people to be able to have economic viability, so we're going to give them Mm. money. So that was kind of an eye-opener when you start traveling outside the United States to find that people are submitting a proposal— to a government agency, right? they're looking at that script, they're looking at that investment circular, they're looking at that information memorandum, and they're saying on the basis of what you've written, so the written word being the key here, based on what you've written, that they're going to give you money to actually trigger this vision, which I think is amazing And I recently became a German citizen. I got my naturalization. So now I can access some of that soft money from the EU because I'll be an EU citizen.
0: Oh, that is cool.
1: I know, right? What do
0: you think – why do you think um, other governments nurture uh, the creative voice? And in this country, it feels more like a business proposition.
1: I think it's more manageable in different countries. So if you think about the amount of people in the United States Mm – Each state basically has – like California has a 9 million metro of just the surrounding area of Ventura and L.A. County. I know that for a fact because I worked in radio for a lot of years and that was one of those things that we would always kind of zero in on, the fact that 9 million people is the size of some countries. Right. 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 So you go to right. Ireland and you've got in Dublin and the surrounding area 1.5. Wow. You can literally knock on every person's door right. in the country and meet every single person. Right. When you're in the United States, it's a much more condensed kind of birds of a feather flock together. You've got a community of people that live in an area of California or Los Angeles. And they can go next door to their neighbor and that neighbor probably is driving a similar car, going out to eat a certain number of times. So there's similarities about the United States in certain communities as it relates to states. However, in countries, because it is such a finite amount of people Mm -hmm. who really want to be a writer, a director, a producer, an editor, a cinematographer, an actor – that's why it's more manageable for the government to say we want to champion these people, these voices, these talents. So I think that's the difference. Okay. Yeah.
0: So um the film and entertainment industry mm-hmm. can leave a lot of people bitter. Mm. Um and it can be, you know, dreams get crushed, it's like budgets don't get met. One of the things that I've read in several of your um your bios and different things and, and, and in talking with you is uh, that you are upbeat and positive.
1: Oh, thanks.
0: And I'm wondering, like, I know documentaries don't make a lot of money.
1: Right.
0: Um Working with young filmmakers might be promising but no guarantee. Right. Um Like, what is your recipe for being able to stay positive and upbeat when you're at the, you know, these film festivals, everybody's biting their nails, everybody's freaking out, I gotta win. And, like, how do, you, how, do you, how do you
1: keep your balance? It's a muscle that I think you continue to flex in any walk of life. Mm-hmm. You make a choice when you get up in the morning. If you're going to exercise your body, you make a choice if you're going to exercise your mind. So as you make those choices throughout your day, you are choosing to look at something that happens a certain way. So when you shared at the very beginning about the fact that this industry can kind of knock you down, mm-hmm. this industry is the land of unemployment. I mean, <laughs> think about the concept of what this film or entertainment industry is all about. You're waiting for someone to identify your talent and then you're waiting for that someone to identify a project for you to put your talent in, yeah. and then you're waiting for that project that you've put your talent and your time and your energy into, A to pay you, B to have some kind of, you know, whatever distribution you're gonna get, and then C to see some residuals. Well, we all know the state of the industry now. There's so many streaming services where that's not part of the formula. So when you're looking at making choices in this industry, you have to say to yourself, if I'm going to be in the industry for a long period of time, how am I going to make myself relevant? How am I going to continue to learn new things every day? How am I going to continue to say yes to everything that comes my way? And then also learn to have a real good gauge of the person sitting across from you being someone that is really worthy of your time, your energy, your knowledge, your know-how. And once you kind of have that initial face-to-face with someone, you, you can see, I mean, intuition is a very interesting thing about our innate ability to know, wait a second, that person was not of integrity. Why would I position myself in an opportunity to, like, be, you know, not transparent or not have someone be transparent to me? Why would I feel like I would subject myself mm-hmm. to that experience? And so as soon as you say to yourself, I'm going to choose the positive experiences, and that means that if something happens in life that someone could interpret as being not so positive, you see the positive side I think that's a choice you make. So yeah. it's a muscle you yeah. flex, and that is a muscle that you continue to work out every day. So I do that. And, you know, I love the fact that your podcast ties in comedy because I love to laugh. I'm probably the most gullible person out there. <laughs> and people are always saying something about someone else or something. And I'm like, really? No way. A UFO landed by the Washington Monument? And then you'll see something in a, you know, some news report somewhere that someone was joking and someone shared it. I'm like, really? Oh, my God. Let me tell everybody I meet. UFOs are invading the United States.
0: That's hilarious. Um, Do you you ever – I would imagine – I mean, I know you've had a lot of successful films and things get produced. Have you ever had one of those duds where you didn't realize it was a dud halfway in, like – do you have to stay the course or like what happens when all of a sudden you realize maybe I don't know the actors aren't acting or the it, or it's it's not going to find an audience or maybe there's an audience of one like like have you ever had to deal with that or have you had to tell somebody you know I really love your idea but I think I'm not right, the right fit like how do you you know let people down gently
1: Because I ran a screenwriting competition mm-hmm. and I read over 5000 scripts mm-hmm. I'm a very good judge of good material on the page. Good material on the page will attract talent, will attract a good director, it'll attract good actors. So if you start with the basis of a good script, then I think you're mitigating once again the risk of having that experience. And the thing that might be a dud for someone else is actually the Oscar for someone else. Right. So I think, again, it's about perspective, it's about perception, it's about expectation, it's about all those things being managed mm-hmm. and really knowing that what to someone else would be, wow, I would never want to see that. You get that one email from that person that says, oh my God, I had no idea that poem was such an, a powerful poem and you used it in a movie. I loved that, and you're giving a voice to yeah. something that somebody else spent so much time and energy in creating that, to me, there are no duds. Oh, that's
0: – see, very, very positive. I like that. Um, so you, Milk duds maybe. Milk but duds. duds. I do like milk duds. Yeah. Um, now, you also coach people on how to ask for money or work with people on getting financing. Um, you also um, – I don't know the whole context of it, but I'm going to bring it up here in Hollywood Pro. Mm. Um, can you say a little bit about um, like that aspect of of helping people through? and, and
1: Absolutely. You- so for me, I never use the word ask. I create an opportunity for someone to step into if they want to. So it's a mindset. When you are saying to someone, I want you to do something, I want you to, you know, share this experience I want you to give or I want you to make the choice to do, right? You're guiding them to what they may or may not want to do. If you just share what you're doing and how excited you are about the model that you're using and the people that you're working with, If that's something that somebody wants to have that experience and come and share that experience, I think that's the kind of, you know, the the way that the world should work. You know, there's Mm -hmm. enough room in the sandbox for everyone to play. It's more a matter of making sure that you share the opportunity with enough people to say, is this something that you're interested in? and on the hollywood pro side what i do with people where they ask me to have a lunch or a dinner or a call is i listen and i hear what they're looking to do mm-hmm. and i guide them on where to find finance or where to find the pieces of the package or the elements of the formula so that therefore if they do decide to go down the path of speaking with people that they can be successful about securing finance but also returning the finance. So if you have your eye on return on investment and making sure that you make the best possible film for the right budget, then ultimately, if you've got distribution, if you've got a minimum guarantee, if you've got a backstop deal, if you've done your homework then you're able to return money to your investor. So that to me is a different way of having the conversation Mm -hmm. with people when they're looking to make a film or a TV show or a webisode or a documentary.
0: Yeah, that just – I can feel how it feels much more comfortable of having somebody being excited about something and me saying, hey, I want to get in on this versus – the ask and then I know my expectations aren't going to be met and then I – like I can already feel the uh, – just write the check and get it over with. So it's it's interesting. Um,
1: it's a story I think that yeah. people have in their heads sometimes as to what it means to be a part of something. The best investment you can make is to invest in people. Right. And no one is putting their money into anything – that doesn't have a person or a face or a voice or a certain element of, I believe in this person. No one's putting their money into something that they don't actually do the homework and say, I want to be a part of this family. I want to be a part of this team. And I think that when I have a film set say, this has been the best experience. I've had the most fun. Mm -hmm. That allows me the confidence to know that we're choosing the right people who are a part of the group. Mm -hmm. And I use the word choose as opposed to decision on purpose, because I think that too often you're looking at Well, let me go and go this direction or let me go that direction. Whereas if you're sure and the choice that you're making is the right choice, then chances are everything else will flow. And it's all about really creating a flow, creating a flow of money, creating a flow of energy, creating a flow of good conversation, good people. So to me, it's all about that flow and keeping that flow going, which means that you give money back to the investor.
0: Right. So let me ask you this because as I'm listening, I'm aware that the work that you do in hearing what people are saying and, 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 and reflecting it back to them is a lot of active listening mm-hmm. and takes a lot of – Intentionality and mm-hmm. consciousness in what you 're doing, mm-hmm. and I really get that sense that you're very intentional conscious and and active in all of those things. Would you say that that's a muscle that you had to develop, or were you always pretty good at actually being able to hear? I mean in this day and age, things come out of so quickly most people aren 't even listening because they 're just posturing for their what they want to say, and so to actually have somebody that's going to sit, let things land and and then relay that back is is not something everybody does.
1: So I've always been that child that in the grocery store the parent looked down and the little girl was pulling on the skirt of the other person and saying, "Hi, I'm Debbie." <laughs> okay. Like I've always been that person, right? And the thing that I think that allows you to do is your parent gave you the freedom and the invitation to kind of have play or have imagination or have freedom or have confidence Mm -hmm. to know that you're making the right choice. Whatever choice you're making is the right choice. You know, things happen for a reason. They happen the way they're supposed to happen. And that when something happens that's not positive for someone else, it can be positive for you. Mm -hmm. So I do think that that is something that I did have from a very young age. Cool. Um, I think to answer your question, though, yes, it's definitely a muscle that is tied to saying to someone, this is good. This is a good script. This is a good team. And knowing all of the different pieces of the puzzle mm-hmm. are going to add up. So you're going in with an intention that is pure because if someone were to say to me, "Well, would you invest in this?" I would say yes. If I didn't say yes, then it wouldn't be the right thing for me to speak to someone else about. Okay. And very often I do. I've I've done that for quite a number of films and I'm a big supporter of talent. I've supported a lot of first-time filmmakers. I think that that says a lot about what was on the page of those first-time filmmakers. And I've done seven Oscar runs, so I also know how to elevate the people who are, you know, very talented people, filmmakers, directors, writers. I've really understood the steps that you need to take to just kind of showcase talent and the cream rises to the top. So I really do believe that that's been a muscle that also is developed over time to know what's good, what's on the page.
0: So when you wake up in the morning. Yeah. Um, passionate about your job and what's going to happen. Could you sum up – and I, I know this putting you on the spot. But could you sum up your personal mission statement of like what you're going to make
1: happen? So – Every person collects something, right? I collect people. I remember people's names. Very often I remember how people spell their names. I'm pretty good at saying thank you and believe it or not, bon appetit in a lot of different languages. (laughs) I kind of pride myself on listening when people tell me their name and having some type of mnemonic in my head to remember their name and also that allows me to remember something about them. So I would say that that's my kind of tools that I use to kind of start my day is I am excited about life. I'm excited about who I'm going to meet. And I think the other piece that is something that I think a lot of us forget is to say hello to people and to look them in the eye. There's, there's no price you pay for being a nice person. Right. And you can do that when you are leaving to get in your car and you see your neighbor or you're going shopping in the grocery store and someone allows you to have the parking spot and you're getting a, you know, whatever it is, a Starbucks. You're, you know, why not when the barista says, can I have your name, you give them your name and then you say, What's your name? And then now you've got a dialogue with the person who you now can say thank you to the barista by name as opposed to just feeling awkward the first time someone says, hey, what's your name? So I think that it's much more about a quality of life that you make a choice. I'm going to meet new people. I'm going to have new experiences. And every single person, every single experience that I have – I'm going to take away a pearl from that experience that allows me to kind of, you know, add to my experiences for the day.
0: No, that's – well, that's great. And I, I was – as you were talking, I thought it's probably a good thing that you travel two to three weeks out of the month because L.A. can be so hard to <sighs> stay positive day in and day out. I mean it's um, – I like I remember – when we were talking yesterday because we were going to hook up for coffee and then our other friend wasn't able to make it and stuff like that. And then you just casually said, oh, well, we can adjust the destination. I'm like, what? Nobody does that in L.A. It's like this. And so I was I was um, pleasantly surprised by your accommodation because I like to think that I'm somewhat accommodating. Probably sometimes not. Uh, my, my employees would probably beg to differ. But – um I, but I, I was struck by the fact that it wasn't so rigid, that it, w- that you just went with the flow. And that it's so, uh, you know, I don't know if that's true that being out of the LA area and being in other countries and getting to experience different people, but it, it's, it's great and refreshing to uh, find somebody that's just like passionate about life, passionate about meeting people. Um, helping people, what would you say to a young filmmaker or a young scriptwriter who's like, I got the goods and they're ready to make it to L.A. or New York or wherever their platform might be? What what advice would you give to somebody?
1: Uh, First, I want to acknowledge the fact that I so appreciate you meeting with me yesterday when we were kind of like coordinating our location And that to me was uh, an opportunity to kind of learn more about you and you to learn more about me. And so that's something that is part of my DNA, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you say I'm in Santa Barbara – chances are I will get in my car and I will drive to Santa Barbara and I will enjoy it. I've got a convertible and (laughs) I'll make that trip be an experience that I walk away with saying, I'm on my way to go meet Bob in Santa Barbara, you know? So I think it's a mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, I did actually end up meeting our mutual friend at 1030 at night last night (laughs) for a coffee. And that goes back to the... I never want to not say yes to someone or Mm. something. And I think that that is what I would say to a young filmmaker or a young writer-director is to say yes to opportunities to talk with people who have wisdom. Make the choice to find the people who have wisdom in your community, in your circle, in your kind of like – you know, whatever it is, that group of people that have been supporting you. Because there's that person that changed your trajectory that if you think back and you wonder, well, wait a second, why am I now doing what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. Someone took the time to share their experience and that opened up a window or a door that allowed you to walk through and be the person that you are. And if you're not open and aware and talking to people, then you're missing the gifts of someone else's wisdom. So young filmmakers very often are sitting at home and they're writing and they're waiting for their phone to ring. No one's phone is going to ring if no one knows your talent. So Frank Pearson, he made the movie Cool and Luke and Dog mm-hmm. Day Afternoon. Remember, right. he was mm-hmm. also the president of the, you know, um, what do you call it? the uh, uh, academy? He was the, you know, person who headed up the Oscars. Um, he said to me once, "If you want to be an actor, go live in another city other than L.A. and act. If you want to do something, find the place that's looking for your talent." So if you're a filmmaker, you need to be at a film festival like Dances with Films that's happening in June. You need to actually step out of your home and go and be around filmmakers and people that are similar to you. And kind of like what I said earlier, birds of a feather flock together. You'll find connection with some of those people. So I think that there's a film festival a week, it seems, in so many of these states and these countries. So wherever the listeners are, they can find a film festival, they can Mm -hmm. find a cultural event, they can find a place where they can meet people. And that just starts with being friendly and being nice. And Mm -hmm. you're going to sit next to somebody in a movie theater. And maybe if you've got some... Milk duds, you can share your milk duds with the person next to you. I mean, there's this element of I think we're all looking to kind of connect with people and we're making choices that don't really serve us to have a connection with people. So if we all kind of took a step back and said, I'm going to say hello to that person. I'm going to let that person in front of my car. I'm going to... You know, let that person go in front of me when I'm checking out at the grocery store we're 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 not in a rush to get to the finish line. We in our mind, have a lot going on, but we just need to have that kind of balance. We need to have that kind of length of space to just breathe. And if we allow ourselves to do that, and I think for young filmmakers and young talent, You have to kind of step back and say, well, I've got this script and I've got this great idea I want to share. Yeah. Find people to talk to. And the best place is film festivals.
0: No, that's great. And, you know, it's interesting because I think in a lot of other – my experiences in other countries, people are much more friendly and in connection. I think in my experience in this country is we're all very connected to social media, but we're not as connected. And I think – at least in LA sometimes it feels like more of posturing and presentation instead of authenticity and real connection because we don't want to get taken down a peg or we got to make sure that our that our our profile is at the height it's like the best presentation of ourselves and um which is why i like traveling to developing countries because i there's an appreciation there's community and it reminds me to slow down and 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 actually work on being in real connection because that's what I really want. Um, but sometimes, at least in L.A., my experience is that it's like everybody's posturing and I can sometimes get caught up in that too.
1: So I'm not on any of the social universe. I choose to stay under the radar for a lot of different reasons, more from a standpoint of I don't know how anybody has time to – upload a photo or create a story about something that happened in their life because when they're creating the story of what happened, they're not allowing themselves just to live it and to be in it. So for me, I'm very much about experience as opposed to let me tell you what I did. And I think that there's um, a flip side to the kind of environment of being on social media is that We're all trying to one-up the other person. And that kind of goes back to something that Harry Truman once said, which was if no one needed to take credit for that good idea, imagine how much more we would accomplish, how much more we would be able to do. And if everyone had their ego and they checked it at the door before they walk into a certain environment – I think that ultimately a lot more will get done. And I think a lot more positive, you know, kind of films and TV shows that have positive messages will be things that we'll see. And that's something that I make as a commitment to the projects that I choose is that there's a positive message that's communicated in the serial killer movie, a movie that uses poetry a movie that tells a story of a young person kind of, you know, coming of age, aliens, UFOs, you know, going to a place like Indonesia for someone who'd never been to Indonesia before. You know, all of those experiences are experiences that have positive messages and messages that as a person watches the film or the TV show or the documentary, they walk away with this attitude of, I can make a difference. I can I can just make a small difference. But imagine if everybody made that small difference. Yeah. What the world would look like. It would just be a totally different mm-hmm. you know kind of view from above. You're just creating a world you want to live in.
0: So Debbie in terms of money, is there any best practices advice you can give us?
1: I would think that young people nowadays look at money as a swipe of a credit card or maybe sending a check in the mail. When you have to actually take the next step as in getting in your car, driving to your landlord and dropping off a check, you realize the value of money. And I think that if you set aside a certain amount of money – that you would do something nice for yourself. So therefore you feel like you are being taken care of with your money. And then that money ultimately has more value. It has more kind of understanding of the fact that it's not just a swipe of a credit card and then that money comes out of your bank account. It's much more of here's a dollar, here's $5, here's $20, and then when that is gone from your wallet you realize that i've made my choice of what i'm going to spend my money on right. and it isn't oh let me swipe my credit card and At just continue <laughs> abundance yeah. right you know you can have abundance in things you can have abundance in life and experiences and just kind of positive outlook
0: no i love that because i to talk about when you swipe a card, the difference of swiping $5 or 5000 feels exactly the same, and it's more about the relationship. And I've recently started – when I work with people one-on-one and I've started doing this at workshops, is encouraging people to go online to their bank accounts and actually start talking to their money. Like, hey, money, you know, bring some of your friends, bring the green ones, you know, or bring the big ones. And, and to just start to make it more fun but actually be in relationship with the money instead of just like, oh, I got to get – I got to pay for this. I got to pay for this. So
1: And almost like how you do with a diet where you write down the things that you eat, write down the things that you buy. Yeah. You know, write down what you spent $4 on at Starbucks so that therefore you see that that amount adds up. And that's a choice that people make if they want to actually have financial literacy.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. I could listen all day. I it's inspiring to hear you want to help people, connect with people, and actually bring something positive, um, without a whole hidden agenda of I do have to one up somebody, um, I'm actually here to um to be present. Um and, and that's really cool. So if people want to get in touch with you, they can't get you through social media, but they can definitely um, reach out to us through um, Money Should Ask Facebook and um, comment or Bob at themoneynerve.com because um, I'd love people to feel free to reach out because you're a wealth of knowledge and information and definitely um, one of those uh, inspirational go, go, go kind of coaches. Um, so I really appreciate having you here today. Um, Thank you. And I want to say to listeners, uh, don't forget to share the laughs. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. Um, You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. For more stories, podcast episodes, financial tools, and upcoming seminars, please be sure to check out themoneynerve.com. It's been a pleasure having you here. Um, Until next time, I'm Bob Williams.